Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. Hi, I'm Kara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Cole Bennett. Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. Ara. Holy moly, Vanessa. I am exhausted, more exhausted than I have been in the two and a half years of pandemic exhaustion. Because this week, you and I dropped our beloved eldest children off at college. Different colleges, different cities. Very different children. Same emotional journey. So for me, this was sophomore year drop off. For you, this was freshman year drop off. And I will say there is a difference, but there are a lot of similarities. And left at home, I have three children who now have my attention turned towards them, almost 17, 14, and 12. And you have... I have one 17-year-old who cannot hide. He cannot hide. There's nowhere to turn. Yeah. So this episode is really about a talking about what what it felt like to leave our children at school. Spoiler alert, it involved a puddle of tears in various airports, cabs, and rental cars. The woman sitting next to me on the flight home, I I think she really didn't know what to do with me. I would spontaneously burst into tears. Oh, if she's she's not listening to this podcast, but if she is, I don't even know her name. Sorry. 
Yeah, I um, my best look was walking through LaGuardia Airport on my way home, just tears streaming down <laughs> my face. But I feel like airports, like people are just used to it. And there is some science behind the fact that it's easier to cry or people are more likely to cry on airplanes. So we can figure out that science. And also we have children left at home who we still need to care for. And so how do we do that? And what does it feel like to do that for them and for us? Do you want to set the scene, Cara? Do you want to kind of like get us rolling? Yes. And I'll I'll start by saying this. When you work in the field of pediatrics, you feel like you got the inside scoop on things. You know, you kind of know, you hear from people, you have the advance warning of everything and anything that could go right or wrong. But I don't know, Vanessa, I, for whatever reason, I heard the words people said for all of those years, but I never really understood or internalized what it might feel like to let your first kid go and move on. And I don't think this is college specific. I actually think it it could be for a kid who is leaving for a job, leaving for vocational training, leaving for a year abroad. I mean, I think the same types of emotions when they are launching. The first thing I want to say is to every single friend I have who is ahead of me in this journey, I'm so sorry. I had no idea what you were going through. And I did not text or reach out or do anything because I just figured like, oh, congratulations. This is so great. You're done. I I just, I didn't know, Vanessa, I didn't know that emotional whiplash could exist and feel like this. And it's like those well-meaning people online at the supermarket who say to you when you have your baby in the stroller and they say, oh, it goes so fast. Just enjoy every second. And you're like, piss off. I can barely keep it together. I haven't washed my hair in a week. I'm exhausted. (laughs) And my kid is eating chocolate for breakfast. Like, how do you want me to enjoy it? It's not unlike that when people say to you, oh, savor every minute. They're going to be gone before you know it. And the next thing you know, you're dropping them off at college and then like sobbing on a street corner. (laughs) And the hardest thing through this whole journey has been that we don't want to make it about us. This isn't our moment, right? The last thing in the world that I want to do is make the college send-off about someone who went to college a long freaking time ago. So I think that that factors in is sort of, you love this kid so deeply and you see it's, okay, here are the emotions, ready? Here's what I felt. So much excitement for her because she's so excited, so much terror, because I'm just not there for the visual or sort of gut level (laughs) check-in. Smell check, that's exactly what I was thinking. So excitement, terror, joy, sadness, loneliness, but potential because so many new friendships, right? So like for every yin, there's a yang. Every single emotion is paired with another emotion. But ultimately, the most overwhelming thing I felt is this is not about me. And I kept trying to remind myself this over and over again, that this is, you know, when we send them off, that there has to be a way to balance how we feel and letting ourselves feel, but to focus on the fact that it can't be about us. 
for them. That the joy we feel in the beginning of their journey is really the emotion that they should see in us because otherwise, you know, they they have guilt. They have, they they still feel a little tethered to us. They are going to feel lonely. They are going to have bad days. And I don't know, I found myself really trying to check all of my emotion at the door as much as possible. I was not very good at it. I will be honest. It's not dissimilar to when they, if you have a kid who goes to sleepaway camp and like all you want to write to them is how much you miss them and how much you love them and how many times a day you think of them. But you can't write that because you want your kid to go off and have fun and not worry about you and not get homesick or more homesick than they are. So you have to say kind of neutral, supportive, excited things, even if underneath your heart is breaking from missing them. And like when your kids go off to college, there is a grief because you know they will never be back in your home in the same way. God willing, they will be back in your home many, many, many more times, but not in the same way. And I will tell you that the terror does not go away. Because even though you are aware of what goes on at college and are aware of the potential risks and dangers and worries, you only get a better understanding of them the more they are at school. And it doesn't go away. And my husband looked at me when I came back from dropping our kid off and he was like, Okay, so now the sleepless nights begin again. And that's just how it is. That's just, as you say, that's what we have to live with and we have to internalize because we can't put it on them. They're not there to take care of us. They're there to to launch and to establish their own independence and to learn and to thrive or not thrive. And I think one of the biggest things that I've learned, and we talked about this a bit, I think with Jill Grimes, is this pressure that kids in college feel to be having the best time and the most amazing four years. And, you know, parents and other adults don't make room for them to feel sad or lonely or concerned or adrift or any of that. And so part of our challenge as parents is making space for those emotions without projecting them onto our kids. It's like, how do you find out? Right? It's like, what do you say? How do you find out? Like, if your kid is struggling without being like, are you struggling? Are you having right? Fun? You don't want to Are lead the witness, right? Exactly. And and it's so funny because when we arrived, we had a couple of days of that frenzied Target shopping that happens the couple of days before, and trying to get all right. I mean, it's just bananas. I'm not even going to go there. I, and I feel like you buy stuff that like you don't even ever need or use, but you're uh, like, it's here, so let's buy it. I said to her, "Please indulge me." can I buy the fish oil? And she goes, you can buy it. I won't take it. Okay. So that's something I never bought is the fish oil. I'm just like hoping the the toothpaste gets used, Cara. But you know, you know, different kids. Um, Neither one would take the fish oil. But we, we were in some neighborhood and some target somewhere. And of course, they, they check their social media nonstop, right? Which just, you know, you're sobbing that this baby of yours is leaving. And meanwhile, they're on their phone while you're shopping in the, you know, whatever aisle for them. It's, it's so infuriating. So she checked her phone and she was looking at all these pictures of all of her friends who have also 
started this past week, um, her closest friends happen to be very well-timed in their send-off, which is unique. And we can talk about what happens for kids who are just sitting around waiting because their school starts several weeks later, which is its own different kind of hell. But, you know, so she was, she was looking at all these pictures and, you know, sort of being very open and very straight with me about what she was finding. And she's like, oh, so-and-so went to a party last night and wow, so-and-so, oh, look, you mom, you got to see this picture. And to your point about kind of the terror, there was this layer of terror that washed over me. And then I just looked at her and I said, can we just talk about the pacing of all this? She's like, mm. Because we didn't have social media in our college time. And so we had no sense of what was happening on other college campuses or for our friends. But I think there is this visual pressure to live your best, most fun life every minute of every day. And so it was a really great way to start a conversation around, hey, if you go out and you're you know, living this life every single night, here's the toll it's going to take and here's how fast it's going to take that toll. And it was a great like two minute little, hey, you know, just it's great to go out sometimes and it's great to just chill out sometimes. And so that was that was sort of a moment. But this notion of sort of all the things we know to be afraid of as parents, that's another one that I think we need to share with our kids in little small doses but we can't dump all of our fears and terrors on them because it will either create tremendous anxiety or it will simply push them away. So, you know, the one I brought up during the week was fentanyl. Mm-hmm. I, I just couldn't not. And we just, you know, I kept saying like, I never swear on this podcast, but I'm going to swear. Fentanyl scares the shit out of me. I just, like, I must've said that 10 times. And she would look at me and say, me too. Yeah, I mean, I say that to my kids, like. What's what's the phrase? 10 ways by Sunday? That's not the phrase. I say it every which way I possibly can over and over because it's literally all it takes is one pill with fentanyl and it's, you know, disguised as something else. And it's funny because I say to my kids, starting from, you know, high school or whenever they start going out without me, you know, I'm not like picking them up at a party or whatever, you know, a birthday party. But when they're going out to socialize, I'll say, you can call me no matter what, anytime, it doesn't matter. You can always call me. And they're like, yeah, 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 I know, mom, I know. And then, you know, subsequently I'll find out, well, this happened and they didn't call me or that happened and they didn't call me. And I'll always say, no matter what, you can always call me. I mean, I've now been probably saying that for, I don't know, close to a decade. So you say that to me. I do. I say that to you. I say that to Talia, actually, Um, because right now I'm geographically closer to her than you are. And I've been saying this to my oldest kid who, and I was still in the city where I dropped him at school and I was leaving the next morning and I got a call in the middle of the night and he was worried about something about a friend of his and he called me and we talked it through And he said, you know, thanks for picking up, mom. And I said, I will always pick up. You can always call me. I know I say this all the time, but you can always call me. And he said, you know, mom, you always tell me that. And every day I believe you more and more. Mm. And it was an amazing thing for him to say because A, it means we're (laughs) moving in the right direction. 
But B, it's a reminder that like even when we're nagging or we feel like a broken record and we're repeating ourselves, like it does take time for the message to get through. And partially it takes time to build trust with them that when we say they can call us no matter what, and we actually follow through on the no matter what part, that it builds trust between us and our kids and that they'll actually do it. And he's not even living in your house. And this is still, it's still evolving. It's, you know, he's sort of half launched and yet it's the same, you're giving him the same guideposts and he's leaning into them. I have to say that we recorded an episode with these two kids, which is airing this week as well. So we have this episode and their episode. And the way you and I do these episodes, like a little peek behind the scenes for the listeners, is that we record episodes sometimes very close to the time they air, sometimes a few weeks in advance. And then right before they air, we listen to them and we make sure, you know, there's that the connection sounds okay, that if we were on Zoom, the Wi-Fi was okay, that, you know, no one has said anything that they want us to edit out, et cetera, et cetera. And so I dropped her off on Friday and flew back across the country and landed late Friday night after sobbing next to my seat neighbor. And I get a text from you that says, we have to listen to their episode and make sure it's ready to air. So Saturday morning, I got up and I walked the dogs and listened to their episode, you know, 24 hours after seeing her and you were in the exact same spot. And I'm listening to the conversation we had with our kids. And it couldn't have been a better moment actually to listen to that episode because it just reminded me that these kids are ready. Our kids are high school seniors who have graduated and have been through the paces and who got through COVID and who mastered, you know, whatever they needed to master and to get to the place in life where they've gotten, they are ready. And here I was just listening to our two kids in my earbuds and they were telling us that they were okay, which was really amazing. While they mocked us. While they mocked us endlessly. (laughs) Endlessly. I would say 90% of that episode was us laughing and the other 10% was them mocking us. But also they had a self-reflection that was really affirming because they could both appreciate us and find us deeply irritating. And I mean, a reminder for people who are just sending kids or who are looking down the barrel of the next few years before they send kids away, either to boarding school or college or whatever. Yes, they can be ready and they will also mess up. And they will mess up in a variety of ways, ways that you predict, ways that you don't predict. And one of the nice things about them being away when they mess up is that it gives you a moment to catch your breath and not react instantly. And whether that's not responding to the text, whether that's saying, I hear you, let's talk about this later, whether it's, you know, just giving them the right sounds on the other end of the phone and then taking a pause, whatever it is, there is a benefit to them being far away. There are lots of hard things about it, but there is a benefit to it. And 
I have gotten better at responding to my kid most of the time and also setting new boundaries with him. Like, hey, I didn't like the tone of that text. Or when you ask me for money, I would appreciate it if you asked for it in an appropriate way. Or I'm not your travel agent. So if you want to make changes to the plans, you can, you know, they're, they're, you're still setting boundaries even when they're far away from you. And it's them building the muscle of being aware of that, which I think is a great kind of next step in their development. Hey, it's Cara. We all know puberty isn't always easy. One of the trickiest pieces of the puberty puzzle is boobs. When will I get them? Why are they so tender? And why does every bra out there seem to pull, push, pad, itch, scratch, or be so flimsy it doesn't do a thing? That's where Umla comes in. It's a company that makes puberty comfortable, a company I founded with my friend Julie. When our own daughters began the puberty journey, we couldn't find a decent starter bra anywhere. So we made one. It fits perfectly whether boobs are just starting to bud or they've been growing for a few years. We call it the Umbra. And it's game-changing. The Umbra is made from buttery cotton that feels like second skin, ridiculously soft, and so comfortable you'll forget you're wearing anything at all. Umbra's one-of-a-kind support comes from its patented layered design that creates gentle compression without any tight binding which also means it doesn't need any bulky, awkward pads because it's built to seamlessly hide nipples and protect against those dreaded ouch moments throughout the day. Our daughters and their friends are done with puberty, but they still love and wear their umbras. It's why we say that the umbra may be your first bra, but it will definitely be your favorite bra. Come say hi, look around and find your umbra plus lots of other puberty info at myoomla.com. That's M-Y-O-O-M-L-A.com. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is factors ready to eat meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. 
Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, Magnesium Breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, Magnesium Breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal. And even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. You brought up one specific example of a way that they are going to mature when they're away from home. And again, this applies to kids across the board. So college kids, high school kids who are away at school, kids on travel programs, kids who have started working outside of the house. The whole concept of learning how to budget is a really, really important one and is, I think, one of the great toe-ins that we have, toes in the water. Mm -hmm. is what I mean by that, you know, it's a really interesting thing to survey all of your different parent friends and hear about different structures of how people are paying for life. College is very expensive. A lot of kids and families participate in that payment structure in very 
unique way. So it's going to look different for every family. And some kids are going to work and some kids are not going to work. And some parents are going to give their kids allowance and some parents aren't. And the parents who do give their kids allowance will struggle with how much to give them. And the parents who don't will struggle with, should I be giving them? Can I give them? And all of these are extraordinarily personal choices. But I find that sort of letting them peek behind the curtain and understand the finances of all of this is actually really, really important. And while not part of puberty, so to speak, it's a very, very important part of developing into a functional member of society. And so my advice there and the advice that I was given, and so I'm just passing this along, is to take advantage of the opportunities that you have to make sure your kids can learn to grow in terms of their financial responsibility, whatever that looks like for you, and take the do-over. This is where our our do-over recommendation for everything still applies. So if you get the amount wrong, correct it and make it right. You might be giving too much. You might be giving too little. You might be asking them to work too many hours in a job and they're stressed out. You might be asking them to participate too little and you suddenly feel like they have no ownership in the process, like whatever works for your family and your particular circumstance, but test this a little bit because they're ready. Financial literacy is part of this whole passage through transitioning out of the house and and sort of launching. And it's an area where, and you'll hear this from your kid on any number of topics, which is everyone else is insert topic, right? Everyone else is getting X amount of allowance or everyone else is allowed to go on this trip or everyone else is doing X, Y, or Z. And I learned the hard way that it's bullshit and everyone else only includes a percentage of everyone. And there are lots of other kids. Sometimes it's one person. Yes. One of a hundred. There are lots of kids having the same discussions and sometimes arguments with their own parents about rules and boundaries. And this is true all the way through growing up. Don't buy the everyone else line. It's harder when your kids are away because you don't have the same community of parents to check in with. And one of the things that I was lucky enough to build last year was a build relationships with some of the other parents in his age group and his friend group so that I could check in and be like, hey, are you hearing this? Or are you getting the same line about this? And having other people, because when you parent in a vacuum without any touch points or any walls, basically, it's really hard and you don't know. And if it's your first time, you really don't know. So if it's possible to find a community of other people to talk to, other parents, other adults caring for these kids, I would really recommend it just so you have like a a check on what you're what you're thinking and seeing. And I think the same is true for the community of parents who remain at home because we mentioned the kids who are left behind in oh, the those beginning. Poor suckers. Oh my god. Well, you know what? I don't feel so bad for them because as the oldest siblings will tell you over and over and over, they have in many ways a much easier ride right? The path has been tested, the mistakes have been made, and they've watched and they've learned and we've learned. So I think it's the same in your house. In my house, the rules are far more flexible for number two than they ever were for number one, which really chafes number one. (laughs) She's not happy about that. But on the other hand, the expectations are also a little higher. It's, It's very clear. Like, 
if you put this in, this is what you get out the back end. And this is, we've been there, done that. So this is just not negotiable at this point. So he has a little bit easier road than his sister did in that sense. I think, so I have a setup where, first of all, I feel like oldest children suck up 75% of our energy, no matter where in the world they are living. I mean, it's like... so many children. (laughs) Yeah, but somehow he still sucks up three quarters of the energy. God bless him. I love him. So part of me is like, you know, with them gone, yes, it means more attention on the other kids, but like in a good way, like I have more bandwidth and more energy to focus on them. Yeah. And... They also start to play different roles with each other so that, you know, when you remove, of course, my analogy is when you remove a cookie from a box of cookies, the cookies all shift. Of course, like my analogy is cookies. But when you remove a piece of whatever it is, the rest of the pieces all shuffle to, to fit into the space. And so they have new alignments and different relationships and they, there's just more air at the table. There's more opportunity for them to talk and express their opinions and connect with each other. So there's a lot of really good stuff. I just have to jump in and say in your house, that opportunity for different connections is because you have so many kids. So in my house, I've got this poor lone soldier <laughs> left behind. He just took just one like look at looking us. Looking out like, the window saying like, will someone come see me? Right. So that's fair. If you have one left at home, which Dolly Clock posted a picture of her daughter with oh, her and her husband. Best. It was so good. And her daughter's just like a deer in headlights. Like, oh my God, I'm left alone with these two people. When there are multiple children left at home or at least more than one, I think there's opportunities there. When there's one left at home, particularly one who's like about to embark on the college process and has a lot going on and there's like a lot of opportunity to nag them. I don't Um, know who you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah, that's less appealing. But I also think that we have to make room for their grief, that they also will miss the kid who's left. My kids were really sad when my oldest went to school last year. I feel like the grief is a little bit different this year, but... It was hard for them. They really missed him. How much did you instruct all of them to stay in touch with one another? That's a great question. So I let them all kind of naturally find their rhythm. I would say the two oldest were in touch with each other like from the get-go. Less so in the spring when things got busier for both of them. My daughter who's 14 would text her brother about her sports. So she, and he said to me, she's actually the best of all of his siblings about being in touch. And he really loved it. And my youngest, like didn't respond to his older brother's texts from college. And he said to his younger brother, like last week before he left, he said, you know, it really hurt my feelings that I reached out to you this year and you didn't respond. And I would really appreciate that if I text you, that you text me back. And I love that he said that because, you know, I think my youngest figured, oh, well, he doesn't care. And my oldest cared enough to like express it and to tell him. So we didn't give them instructions. I didn't realize I had to tell my child to respond to a text from his brother who's like a couple thousand miles away. It's a perfect example of how you have to be really explicit with 12-year-olds. I wish I had. But yeah, I think it would have been better if we had kind of made a plan. We had made a plan with him 
for us, me and my husband to be in touch and what our expectations were, but not with his siblings. You know, for us, my two kids are pretty close, but over the last two or three months, my daughter who was planning to leave was in that mode of connecting with everyone else and leaving him a little bit out in the, just sort of waiting in the wings. And he didn't like how that felt. So he just sort of went off and did his own thing. And you could see a little bit of a drift for them. And I have found myself saying over the past few days, don't forget about each other. You know, you've, you've like now it's time to rekindle. I, I get why you both kind of floated a little this summer, but rekindle. And it's been interesting because it's not because I'm saying it, frankly, I don't think they're listening to what I'm saying about it. But but I have watched as they have very quickly fallen back into old habits, you know, sending each other funny texts and just laughing usually about us with each other. But it's, you guys. Because <laughs> we, we are so funny. But, you know, I think for parents who have kids who are, who feel like they've grown apart a little bit over the course of this whole path to leave, just give them permission to kind of circle back with each other. They will. Yeah. And when your kid who's away is feeling lonely or your kid who's home is feeling pissed at you, like give them permission to use each other as an outlet. I know that my kids have reached out to each other in different ways and ways that were really emotionally important to them. The other thing that we did, and maybe not every parent would agree with this, but when we went for visiting weekend, we let our then 16-year-old stay in the dorm with his brother and have time alone. And my oldest actually said to us, because we were like, oh, here's a word to the wise. Parents weekend is not about you at all. Parents weekend is like camp visiting weekend on steroids where all you do is basically follow your kid around and sit on various benches and wait for them to tell you where you're going to go next. It's not like you're not going to go visit any classes. You're not going to do anything cultural, at least not if you're in my family. You're basically going to meet their friends and watch them do different stuff. However, my oldest said, I want my brother to come hang out with me and my friends without you guys there. I want him to really see what my life is like. And so we were like, great. I mean, I don't know what they got up to, but he wanted a different and more authentic version of his life to be revealed to his brother. And I have friends who are sending their kids out to visit older siblings on their own. There's all different ways to do it, but giving them time where you're not mediating that time, I think is really critical. So before we wrap, I do want to talk about the kids who are left behind, meaning the ones who, when this episode airs, are on their way out the door, but haven't left yet. And so many of their friends have left. And I just want to flag that that's hard. Really hard. It's always hard to be the one who's hanging out at home when everyone else is off on new adventures. And you're adding that to just the general fear, excitement, anxiety, all the positives, all the negatives about embarking on college life. For parents who are in that position, just, you know, it it sort of goes without saying, but we're going to say, be super sensitive to that kid. Some of those kids will say, can I go visit friends at college? 
when you're staring at four or five or six weeks before your school starts, between when your school starts and their school starts, there is no downside to sending them if it works logistically for your family. So everyone is happy and it doesn't mean anyone's stunted. It doesn't mean anyone won't move on. So that works for a lot of people, but also just keeping them occupied by doing something fun and different with just them taking a trip that's a little bit off season as summer's winding down for everyone else. Or if they have a job, they can continue working their job or doing their internship through this time when other kids are ramping up. But avoid just sitting around wallowing in it because it's hard. It's really hard. And avoid losing it with them because they are in such a fragile state as they have this prolonged wait to start college. And they're watching, as you say, Car, looking at social media, watching everyone else start and look like, even if they're not, they're having the time of their lives. And so be sensitive. Nervous kids, worried kids act in different ways. Some of them shut down. Some of them won't shut up. You know, it shows up in different ways. But if you find yourself responding to your kid, think about why they're acting the way they're acting and and find some practical ways to, to address it. Let's wrap with, I guess, like a, a challenge for ourselves or a thought for ourselves about how this year is going to go, like what we're hoping to... I mean, obviously, we want our kids who we love more than anything in the world to be happy and feel successful and make friends and challenge themselves and learn new things and, you know, explore and adventure and all of those things. And it's thrilling and heartbreaking in equal measure. And the question is, what role do we play in that? How do we love them and support them in new ways when they're not nearby, when we can't do the smell check, when we can't make them breakfast in the morning? A few of the things I learned from last year was sending my kid pictures of our dog almost every day. He would respond to my texts of the dog if he didn't respond to any other texts, sending him pictures of his siblings, sending him silly pictures of us, you know, the the kind of visual reminder that we're there, texting him at night to say goodnight, even if I hadn't heard from him or wasn't expecting just to tell him that I love him you know, little things like that kept us connected. I think what I want to get better at is maybe more regular times to have real conversations with him and like really checking in with him as opposed to just like the quickie texts and sort of proactively checking in on how certain things are going. I don't know if that's going to work or not, if that's going to feel invasive, but I don't know. That's something that I've been thinking a lot about. It's a hard one for me to answer because I'm so on the front end of it. So I think I'm not even going to answer your question, Vanessa. And I'm just going to say thank you to you because I don't know how I would have gotten through the past week without all of my calls and texts and emails to you. And I would suggest to everyone out there to find their Vanessa, who's like (laughs) one step ahead of them. Find your Vanessa, um, who's one step ahead and who, even if the circumstances are different, the kid is different, the issues are different, the worries are different. There's so much shared experience here and it makes a huge difference. So thank you. Thank you for this week. It is my absolute and total pleasure. And if I'm speeding, I can get to Talia in under three hours. So... (laughs) So to all of you out there who are about to do this or have just done this, 
we see you, we feel you, we hear you, we are here. If you want to send us your best stories, mine involves sobbing in the same restaurant two years in a row when I said goodbye to my kids <laughs> and then being mocked about it for months to follow. So the mockery has only begun for this year's Sobfest. But you are not alone. We are here with you on the same journey. It is wonderful and terrifying. And we just wish you all so much luck. And Cara, it's going to be great. It will be imperfect, but it will be great. I have to get off because I'm going to (laughs) cry. You're in good company. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts. Or check out our Instagram, at The Puberty Podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myumla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.